Welcome into the Road of His Fantasy Football Mailbag. We are here on the December 16th episode. And as always, we are trying to help you navigate the fantasy football playoffs here as we are headed towards the gold, the championship season. I'm Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. And today we have a good friend of mine, someone I always wanted to have on the mailbag, Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. Jared is a proud girl dad, like myself, fantasy football analyst for Draft Sharks, loves beer, and he can even golf. I mean, the guy does it all, and he's here to help you win your fantasy football championships. Follow him on Twitter at Smola, S-M-O-L-A-D-S. Jared, welcome to the Road of His Mailbag. How you doing? Doing good. I've always wanted to be on the mailbag, so this works out nicely. And yeah, I mean, I I, I golf in quotation marks. You know, I, I, <laughs> whack, I whack the ball around, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's called golf, I guess. Well, I golf on occasion, but what mattered, Jared, is I golfed with my father-in-law a couple months ago, and uh, you know he was real excited. We can't let him win. That is out of the question, but I certainly let him enjoy the front nine. I was doing poorly, bought me a couple beers, but then we still got the victory at the end, so that is what I use golf for, just to keep the bragging rights <laughs> and get the free beverages. Uh, listen, I am honored that you came on the mailbag, despite the fact that now you have had me in your Draft Sharks Invitational two years in a row, and I've had an absolutely pitiful, pitiful performance both years. I can't even beat Nick Bakai. So really, this is charity, Jared, on your part, I think. <laughs> I'm right with you struggling there. You know, that's that's super tough competition that we've put together. It's a different format, so you never mm-hmm. feel comfortable during that draft. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, too. So you know, maybe maybe 2022 is our year. Sounds good. That's always look forward to the next year. Listen, I've been pitiful in Scott Fishbowl. I'm in the playoffs somehow this year. So there's always hope for, for everyone. You've been killing it, man, over at Draft Sharks. Just so many great things going on. You've also been dominating in best ball mania on underdog fantasy. So talk about best ball, your strategy going in, and how it went so far. Because you got some great things going on right now. Man, I wish I had done more teams. You know, looking back on it now, hindsight's 2020, obviously. But yeah, I, I had nine of my 24 teams advanced. That's, that was wow. like a 35% advance rate. So oh, yeah, I wish I had done more teams, but I got I got nine bullets in there. You know, we'll, we'll see if any of them survive this, you know, first week of the playoffs, mm-hmm. week 15. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I stack, I, I, you know, try to, try to get the good roster construction, all that stuff. Um, my, the one, one big thing on underdog, it seemed to me like a lot of people weren't drafting for the half PPR scoring system. Yeah. I felt like people were assuming or thinking it was PPR. So I thought there was some edge there. There were some guys I thought were overvalued, undervalued just because of the scoring system. Um, but I, I mean, really, I just kind of hit on my player pool, like Cooper, Cooper cup, Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon are three of my highest owned players. So, wow. you know, those three guys have kind of just been carrying me. Leonard Fournette is a great call. I, you know, there was still hope for us Rojo truthers. He flashed <laughs> last year, but I just think we should have seen the playoffs and realized like Tom Brady's running the show. There's only so many Jared Twitter videos we can see of Ronald Jones dropping the ball before it becomes an issue, right? Yeah, I mean, my, my and obviously I did not expect this season out of Fournette. I mean, he hit his you know top one percentile outcome here, mm-hmm. but the reason I was taking him and not Ronald Jones. And I wasn't even really taking any Gio Bernard. Um, the reason I was taking Fournette because he he was the one guy in that backfield that had the potential to lead the Bucks in carries and running back targets. Because, you know, he, he had some big receiving seasons in Jacksonville. We, we knew he had the potential to lead the way in carries. So I just thought he, among the three of those guys, easily had the highest ceiling. And we knew there was ceiling to be had there because we knew the Bucks offense would would put up a bunch of points. So that that's that's why I was kind of you know loading up on Fournette when he was going in the you know ninth, tenth, eleventh round. You guys at Draft Sharks have been killing it, man. So many great things going on. Talk about how the year's been and, and some new things you got going on because just a great group of guys who put out tremendous content every year. Yeah, thanks. It's been you know it's been good. We're grinding away trying to keep up on all the COVID positives now. I mean, it's going to be man, it's, we're we're limping to the finish line here, yeah. and it's going to kind of be a battle of attrition. Um, but yeah, I know we're we're still pumping out the projections and rankings and waiver wire stuff and rest of season rankings and everything uh, for the final few weeks of the season. I, I'm looking forward to at this point the uh, some of the playoff contests. Like I don't know about you, I, I love the FFPC playoff right. contests, and you know we'll we'll have a bunch of content. Um, articles and podcasts sort of you know breaking down strategy and player targets for that 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things where we start with here is the Thursday night game, which is very compelling this week, Kansas City and the Chargers. Look, I thought last week against the Raiders was sort of a get-right game for the Chargers, hit the over, ton of production, Patrick Mahomes, sort of odd, Jared, that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey didn't get involved in the action there, but it looks like they're back to normal. But the Chargers have been a thorn in their side and are playing well. Jared, Her- Justin Herbert took care of business. Keenan Allen looks like he will be off the COVID list, so he should be back. Mike Williams got in last week. So talk about this game here. Right now, interesting line, only – Three points opened. It got to four at one point. Now it's down to three. Kansas City minus three. Over-under is 52. And listen, we've had a lot of points in some of these primetime games. But uh, curious, Kansas City Chargers, what do you think is going to happen? And fantasy perspective here, because this is the start of the fantasy playoffs for many, many leagues. I'm still worried about the Chiefs offense. The the Mm -hmm. two big games Patrick Mahomes has had really over the last like two months now have come against the Raiders. And you, know, you, you talk to a bunch of the film guys, and that's because, you know, Vegas doesn't play that cover two that has given Mahomes so much trouble. They, they stick to what they do. It's cover three. It's cover one. Whatever it is, and Mahomes just eats that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still concerned about the Chiefs passing game. I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire on Thursday night. You know, the, the cool. Chargers are a run funnel defense. Edwards-Alaire, you know, that, that first game when the uh, Chiefs and Chargers played, that was one of Kansas City's run heaviest games of the season. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire went for 100 yards on 17 carries. I think he's the guy I'm most excited about um, from the Chiefs side on Thursday night. Yeah, that's a great one. I I think he's starting to get back involved here. Darrell Williams is fine as a grinder, but teams come in, they scheme Tyreek Hill, they they scheme Travis Kelsey. I have been, Jared, a Byron Pringle truther, and and I'm I'm holding on to him because I'm waiting to hear, knock on wood, that there's some disaster COVID quarantine for me. I'm going to play Pringle. I I believe in Byron Pringle here, but certainly I think Edwards Hilaire can dominate that short to intermediate route, especially when teams focus on Travis Kelsey. I played two Patrick Mahomes tournament teams last week, and they both had Byron Pringle in them. So I'm, I'm with you. I like him. You know, he's he's their he's their number two wideout now in terms of you know snaps and routes run. He's yeah. not getting the, the targets because you know it's it's still Kelsey and Tyreek there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as a as a cheap DFS play, I still think Pringle makes sense because he's just out on the field with Mahomes. Completely agree. Listen, let's talk strategy here at Rotoviz. We are huge zero RB guys. I remember having Sean Siegel on. I think it was the second or third. Uh, episode we had this this summer and we talked about how it was pretty much McCaffrey and then he would believed in zero RB so I'm curious the way this is played out of course we can't predict injuries but running backs are more likely to get injured statistically than, than wide receivers what is your strategy how is this going to affect your seasonal strategy going into next year are you still just you know, best player available. Are you more zero RB? Are you th- you think they're going to be undervalued because people are going to knee jerk reaction? How does this year affect you as you prepare for next year? Yeah, I want to get booted off the podcast here, but I'm I'm not really a zero RB guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, and I, I totally get it. It can work, and I'm willing to do it if the draft falls that way. Yes, um, but I never go into a draft planning to go zero running back. I I still just think the the ultimate like league winners tend to be some of the running backs that come in the first or second round. And we've even seen that this year. If you look at uh, the top 10 players in best ball advanced rate in FFPC in their best ball tournament, mm-hmm. three of the top 10 are Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, and Najee Harris. Um, yep. You have Cooper Cup and Mike Evans in the top 10. So, you know, two early, early round wide receivers. Now you also have Leonard Fournette and James Conner who mm-hmm. are, you know, zero RB guys that you know, they should have been, you know, two of your top zero RB targets. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm the hero RB if, you know, we're sticking a label sure, sure. on my drafting strategy. I like getting that workhorse back that, I, that you know, I, I think could be a league winner and I'll, I'll get that guy in the first or second round and then, you know, mostly avoid running backs for the next few rounds after that. I, I get it. And that's a very popular response. And it's a winning response. You can win in any strategy. You have to pick the right players. Yep. I would say that on some of the teams that I went zero RB, particularly in best ball, the ones that are doing well, I was able to sort of corner the market late on, let's say, James Conner and Chase Edmonds, you know, where there, where there was a lot of cheap value late where you could maybe spend a couple picks because you're right, Fournette right there. And listen, if you had Fournette and James Conner, then certainly zero RB works. But I, I think if you ha- you got to pick the right players, some people picked at the end of the first round. I don't know some of the leagues you had. People who went Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler back-to-back probably had a pretty solid year. 
Yeah, that's where I got a lot of my mix in um, was in, you know, the, the yes. front half of round two, you know, got some got some Taylor there, got some Eckler there. It, it's funny, too. I, I didn't mention this when we talked about underdog, but I did what I say. I did 26 underdog drafts. I got zero number one picks wow. which at the time was at, at the time I was pissed about, but it ended up mm-hmm. being super fortunate. Because if you got the first pick and you took Christian McCaffrey, you know, that team was dead. I was at a wedding for my family in August and we're sitting around the bar talking fantasy. And I said, I'll tell you right now, if I didn't have the first pick, which I did in this league, and I took McCaffrey because I'm not going to be a fool, I would take Najee Harris. And all my my cousins were, were arguing with me. Now they look back and they go, did you do it in any leagues you had him second? No, I, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it, but it sounded good. Because really, when you get that volume and you get that opportunity and you have the track record of Mike Tomlin, I mean – Najee's as good as it gets in a lot of ways. And he was available end of first, maybe early second, right? Most leagues. Oh, yeah. He was regularly available in the second. I remember him going in the back half of the second round in some draft. Yeah, I, I remember being on some podcasts in the summer. And I think it was, I think I had Najee projected for, I want to say it was the fourth most total touches among wow. all our running backs. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, volume rules all. We know the O line was bad, um, but it just doesn't matter when you're, you know, getting 20, 25 touches every game. Now we turn to the fantasy playoffs. Waiver wire, very thin, but there is some value. One that popped last week, Rashad Penny. So talk to me about Penny, what you think his role will be here in Seattle down the stretch. Russell Wilson could be his last year. And any other values that you see on the waiver wire here that people should watch because it could make a difference as you get into the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, we're going into week 15 here. So if you if you need a running back at all, and Rashad Penny is available, even if you don't need a running back, Rashad Penny is available. I mean, spend, you know, do whatever you need to do to get him. Uh, now, that, that said, I am a little hesitant to trust him. Like, I, like I have him ranked as an RB3 this week. Uh, I mean, it was the Texans last week, right? And Seattle's running game has really sucked for most of the season. They're, they're 23rd in football outsiders, adjusted line yards. Uh, Seahawks running backs as a group are 25th in PPR points. So it's, you know, it's just, it hasn't been a, a good running game. Um, and, and now, and now this week there's seven point road underdogs to the Rams. So it's not a great spot for Penny. I do think he's going to get, you know, 12 to 15 carries. So he's going to be okay. I just, I, I wouldn't go expecting RB one or really even RB two production, at least, th- at least this coming week. I think it, it helps if people, Jared will get familiar with the depth charts because there could be a situation where someone gets COVID immediately and you have to be ready for the next man up. Uh, Odell Beckham out with the Rams now. I mean, are we going deep on that depth chart? We may be, right? Who would it be? Bennett, Bennett, Skoranek? Yeah, it could be. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, the one guy, and he was just activated from the COVID list today, is Tyler Higby. Who you know, yes. unfortunately, I don't know if you saw, he missed last night's game because of, uh, because of a false positive false test. test. Yes. Yeah. So, but 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 he's back, and you know, I I I think it'll be assuming Beckham doesn't play Sunday, it'll be Cup, Van Jefferson, and then Higby. Um, and I, I probably wouldn't want to mess with any other pieces of that passing game. The list of players, Jared, that I was wrong about in the preseason. I mean, we could do a whole separate pod on that, uh, starting with, as we were joking before we started recording, Taysom Hill, who I, I'm taking a victory lap for, even though for the first 12 weeks, I was pretty much getting an L. And it yeah. took an injury to Winston to make it happen. But uh, we've had questions from our listeners who want you know the experts to come on and say who I was wrong about. They want to see a little humility. So who's someone here that you kind of just said, you know what, I got him wrong? Yeah, this one's easy for me. It's Allen Robinson, who yeah. I was taking very often in the third round, pretty much every time he got to the fourth mm-hmm. round. I'd have more Cooper Cup if I wasn't taking Allen Robinson. Oh, okay. Um, you know, in, in that area a lot of the times. So, but I mean, I, the, the guy has produced with crappy quarterback play throughout his entire career. So I wasn't, you know, worried. I thought Justin Fields could be the best quarterback that Robinson, you know, ha- had ever played with. He, he still might be. Um, I, he's Robinson's only 28 years old too. So I, like, I don't, it shouldn't be an age thing at this point. I honestly don't know what went wrong this season. I mean, he's had the hamstring injury for the, for the past, you know, month now or whatever, but, um, I, I still don't have an answer, but Robinson's definitely the guy I, I missed most badly on this, this season. Well, we're getting, you're getting into your wheelhouse here, DFS. Uh, so it's early in the week. Some people shy away, but having you on, of course, I'm very excited taking notes so I can win the million dollars and retire. 
Jared, let's start at each spot here. Somebody you have your eye on. Maybe it's a player that's expensive that you think can still perform well, or maybe it's a low-value player, somebody that you like here. Start a quarterback signal caller. I have this propensity to pay down at signal caller unless I really feel strongly about the Tom Brady stack. So where are you going here? Week 15, signal caller, QB. Yeah, the quarterback that's popping is my top value right now, and it is a wow. cheaper guy. It's Tua Tagovailoa who gets the Jets. Um, he's $5,700 on DraftKings. He went 273 yards and two touchdowns in the first meeting with the Jets, and that was without Devontae Parker, who is now back for this game. You know, The Jets have just been giving it up every week, so I, I like Tua as a cheap quarterback play this week. Yeah, you know, I was doing a write-up on that pick. It's eight and a half, and listen, we are all familiar with the Chad Pennington revenge game with the Dan Marino spike game, with the Jets coming back from 30 to nine in the fourth quarter at home against Miami, weird stuff happens. I just think there is Miami value here. I mean, that defense has been playing so well the last few weeks. It started with the blitz of Lamar Jackson there on Thursday, right? I I think that Tua is very undervalued. He's extremely accurate and he's getting more weapons back. Like you said, it's not just Jalen Waddell. And it's a very pass-heavy offense, um, I, I think largely because they can't run the ball. <laughs> the running game is horrible. And now they have all these COVID issues at running back, too. So I, I think you're going to get nice volume from Tua as well. Yeah, they're talking about uh, Malcolm Brown maybe back this week. But listen, I don't care that the whole backfield's in the, in the COVID protocol. They don't run the ball anyway, so it helps the fantasy value. Right. Uh, speaking of running back, do you have a player here at running back that, that you have your eye on that you think could pop here either on DraftKings or FanDuel? Yeah, assuming he's healthy, I love Elijah Mitchell. He's $6,200 on DraftKings. Uh, home for Atlanta. The Niners have the third highest implied total on the main slate. It's, at, I think, 27 and a half points right now. And Elijah Mitchell, I mean, man, Kyle Shanahan loves this guy. Mitchell has 27, 27, and 22 carries in his last three games. Like, you know, they feed him when he's healthy. Um, had the concussion, had the, the, the knee issue last week, so we'll have to see about that. Um, but, it, but if he's healthy, he, he's, he's a big value, I think. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell. I remember when he popped, what was it, waivers, Jared, second or third week? I remember Rich Rebar saying he spent all of his fab on Elijah Mitchell, and he's damn proud that he did, and he was right. Because sometimes you have to take a risk, and sometimes that early waiver claim can be a league winner. If he's healthy with that schedule for San Francisco, which we've been talking a lot about here in the mailbag, he's going to be a league winner, I think. Yeah, spending all your fab on Mitchell was the right process. It's kind of been a bad beat because he's just missed time with injuries on a couple of different occasions. But yeah, if he can stay healthy down the stretch here, you know, he, he should be a top 10 running back. The next position, of course, the answer is always Byron Pringle. But is there a wide receiver <laughs> here that you like? Main slate, unfortunately, so it's Thursday there for Pringle. But somebody you like here, keep an eye on uh, for, for DFS. Yeah, th- thank God Pringle's not back on the main slate this week so i don't have to play him again <laughs> um, um but i mean if you want to stack if, if you want to stack with tua Devonte parker is forty three hundred dollars oh. you know we haven't we, we haven't seen him much this season but he's averaging eight targets across his six games and again the, the jets are giving it up to everyone so uh man tua and Devonte at 57 and 4300 that's a super cheap stack you can kind of load up elsewhere i'll, I'll throw out gabriel davis too who's thirty seven hundred dollars mm-hmm. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders likely not going to play this week. Gabe Davis is going to be a near every down player in that offense. As long as Josh Allen plays, um, I think they, honestly, even if it's, even if it's Trubisky, I think Davis might be worth a shot at 3,700 bucks on DraftKings. Yeah. Just so people are aware, Devonte Parker this year, he's been in and out, but here are his targets, seven, nine, seven, nine with two red zone, 11 and five there where he got injured, I think against the Giants. So if he's in, it's gold. Great call with Gabe Davis. I don't want to lead the witness here, but I, I don't see the argument for Carolina, Jared. They came out of a bye. Cam Newton finally had time. He's out. P.J. Walker's in. Coach was saying, oh, he doesn't know the two-minute offense yet. You had a bye week. So they, they seem in disarray, and they're going up against an angry Buffalo team that almost stole that game against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm going to do there. I think Buffalo wins that one in a row. Just assuming Allen plays, you know, if Trubisky's in there, who knows what happens. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Carolina, um, I don't know, something's going on there. The whole the Joe Brady firing and the, the timing of that was strange. So yeah, that, that, that team, um, you know, seems like they're looking ahead to 2022 at this point. And tight end, last position, always looking for value. Darren Waller has been disappointing. Travis Kelsey has not lit everything up. George Kittle getting hot right now, and Mark Andrews as well. So people really looking for some late-round tight end value in DFS if they want to go cheap. Who do you like here? 
Yeah, I already mentioned him actually, but Tyler Higby is four thousand dollars on DraftKings. Um, you know, I, I would assume at this point that Odell Beckham is not going to play on Sunday. That's more targets coming Higby's way, and the uh, the Seahawks are dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Excellent call. Let's talk about spreads. I'm looking for a pick here. Now, this is going to be tricky because there's a lot of players that are out, like we said, with COVID. So we're kind of adjusting on the fly. Interesting games that are coming up here. We have Indianapolis with the Patriots. Indianapolis favored by two and a half. A lot of big spreads on the road. You have Dallas with a big spread on the road. Washington, Philly with the rivalry there. Arizona, huge spread at Detroit if you want to go fade the Lions. Is there a pick or a game that you kind of look at the spread and say, uh, I think I got this one nailed? We talked about the Thursday nighter. I like the Chargers getting three points at home for the Chiefs. I mean, they already beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. They've kind of played them tough over the past couple of years now. So I think there's value if you can get the full three points with the Chargers. If you weren't in sports and you could not work in fantasy football at all, what would you be doing? Uh, either either your main job or if you had to pick another hobby, what would it be? So if you weren't if you weren't allowed to do what we love to do here, what would you what else would you be working on? This was the toughest question on this, this sheet for me because I'm a total stranger to the job market because I, I've been doing this since I was in college. Good for you. I uh, I got the job at Draft Sharks when I was a sophomore in college. I was you know part time for a couple of years, and then I kept it you know and I've been doing it ever since. Um, so obviously you know lo- love my job would never complain when I do anything else. The one thing I don't like about it is being cooped up inside all day at a desk. Um, so I guess if I could, you know, have a different job, it would just be something where I'm moving around, getting outside a little bit, you know, getting some fresh air every once in a while. That's a great lead into our next question. I'm really trying to get some sort of fantasy football fear factor or survivor. <laughs> my family's all fired up. My kids for tomorrow's the season ending for survivor. If you were on that show, if we got this going, and here's Jared Smola from Draft Sharks, he's competing. What is the one phobia or fear that you would not do under any circumstances, or you would be very nervous to do, I should say? This might be a surprising one, a weird one, but anything where I'm confined in a super tight space, okay, yeah, like I, I can't, I can't handle that. I'll eat, I'll eat anything. I'll, you know, I'll jump out of a plane. I'll, you know, bungee whatever they do on that show. But if I'm confined and I don't feel like I can you know move at all um that 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 definitely gets to me I think I I think I'd be out so you could eat like animal brains but you could not be buried alive that's what you're saying yes buried alive I'm out I saw one on impractical jokers could you be chained to a board and have tarantulas crawl all over you or is that confined yeah, see, the, the chain to the board would give me more issue than the tarantulas. Okay, well, you're a good man, sir. <laughs> it would be the opposite for me. Very good. I'm going to give you something now, Jared. I just want your one-word reaction. It could be a player. It could be a team. It could be a fantasy football theory, something like that. And give me an explanation. First word that comes to your head and then a rationale. Russell Wilson's team next year. Panthers. I ah. think they, they seem they seem. Super desperate for a superstar quarterback. You know, they were making a run to Deshaun Watson this past offseason. Uh, there's there's the NC State connection with Russell Wilson. Ah. I don't know if that matters at all. But, um, yeah, that's that, that's kind of my, my gut feel for Russ. That's a great call. Did he mention that he would go there? Was that one of the teams he said he would go to? I don't think so, but I'm okay. still going with it. <laughs> it's possible. No, that's a great, yeah. great call. Next, Pittsburgh Steelers offense, rest of schedule. I still don't trust Ben Roethlisberger. He's you know put up a couple of productive games the past two weeks, but he still doesn't look good to me. Um, so I'm not you know diving too deep on this team. You're obviously starting Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris. Chase Claypool is the toughest guy in Pittsburgh right now because he's putting up numbers, but you know he's he's one more bonehead and move away like every game from getting benched. I think you know he's been benched the past couple of games for for spurt. So he's kind of the um, guy I struggle with on a weekly basis. Listen, Steelers fans, you have to understand something. Ben does not look good. Do not give me a stat that he was great out of shotgun or whatever, Jared, I heard last week. They will not throw a deep ball unless the defense is up by so much that they're in prevent. And then he starts firing passes down the field. Obviously, they're tapering everything to Najee, Deontay, close. They really don't take many shots. I I think it hurts their offense, but if they had somebody – who could open up? They do have talent here. Fryermuth, Claypool, like you mentioned. My brother's a Steelers fan, and he is still convinced that, that Ben's a top ten quarterback. I can't, oh I can't get it through his head that he's totally washed. <laughs> and this, the sad thing is, is you know, there's there, there's there's no one else there for them to go to. They've totally you know neg- negated to address the 
you know, the, the quarterback position uh, for as long as Ben's been there. You know, they, they have Mason Rudolph backing him up now, so that's that's not an option. Rich Rebar said it earlier this year when we interviewed him. He said that one of the biggest travesties he's seen is Pittsburgh's abject refusal to address a backup quarterback position. Yeah. That's why when I heard about Mike Tomlin going to USC, I mean, he came out obviously denied it, but there's no quarterback there which means they're going to struggle. I mean, they're going to either have to trade for one unless they have an inside scoop on Aaron Rodgers. Have you heard anything about that? I was just going to say that. That that makes sense. You know, people say Denver is a good Aaron Rodgers spot, but, you know, Pittsburgh's weapons are are just as good as Denver's. Um, You know, the the defense is becoming an issue in Pittsburgh now too. But I I do think Pittsburgh um, would would not shock me if Rodgers ended up there. Next one, when I sent this to you, I did not know about the quarantine. (laughs) So, of course, you have to adjust it. Odell Beckham, Jared, looks very, very good last night in their win over Arizona. So what do you think of OBJ? Is the OBJ really the OBJ of old? I mean, amazing what a functional passing game and a solid quarterback can do for a wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean, um, if he puts the COVID thing behind him, I, I, you know, I think he's a, he's a weekly wide receiver, too, the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. I thought he looked fantastic. Kyle Pitts, you know, his stats, his yards – certainly rival the greatest tight end rookie seasons that we've seen of all time, going back to Mike Mm -hmm. Ditka. But he has not really scored well in fantasy, and he was drafted as such tight end four. So Kyle Pitts here for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, well, it's really been, what, like two big games that have sort of cropped Pitts's season-long production. He's kind of been a low-end tight end one for most of the season. I kind of think that that's going to continue the rest of the way. It's funny, we – we, you know, we always say we want the tight ends that are, you know, basically wide receivers, but Pitts playing most of his snaps in the slot and not wide it has kind of hurt him because he's he's drawing teams number one corners without Ridley, and you know Pitts is just struggling as a rookie tight end to to beat those guys. Yeah, that's why Russell Gage here has gone sort of for Russell Gage, that is Jared <laughs> Nuclear, yeah. because he's not getting the tough, you know coverage and he's been able to produce even though 26 almost euro guy 455 speed but the last few weeks Russell Gage seven targets 12 targets six targets six receptions yes 11 receptions for Russell Gage against Tampa Bay and four last week so there is some value there I I I think they have to get a little more creative with Pitts because without Ridley and it looks like he's out for the rest of the year I mean they are going to roll the coverage to him yeah for sure um and hopefully we get I, I don't at this point, I don't expect Ridley back this season, but hopefully he's back next year. And again, I, I think that'll be huge for, for Pitts just to you know draw some attention away. The next one I want to talk about, Debo Samuel. I whiffed on him. I have very little exposure to Debo, maybe one or two of my best ball teams. But what we're looking at here is incredible efficiency, particularly the last three games. The last three games he's played, Jared, he has had one reception in each of those games one one and one yet he was able to give you the wide receiver 19 the wide receiver six and wide receiver 38 last week because he ran one in Debo Samuel's efficiency during the playoffs sustainable or not you know again I've been doing this for a a pretty long time now I I tweeted this a couple days ago Debo Samuel's season is one of the most insane statistical seasons I've ever seen because his first eight games, the receiving efficiency was incredible. You know, like yep. 18 yards per catch, strong catch rate, big touchdown rate. And then the, the last four games, he's averaging 8.1 yards per carry with five <laughs> rushing touchdowns on 27 carries. Yep. Um, so I, as I've been saying all season, this efficiency is not sustainable, but, but, you know, he keeps sustaining it. The, the one, the thing about last week, you know, he only saw the one target. He ran 40 pass routes. Yes. So it's not it's not like he, you know he wasn't playing wide receiver. You know he he was out there running routes. I don't know how he runs 40 routes and only gets one target. But if that usage continues, you know I, I got to think um, you know some of the receiving production is going to come back. It's such a great point you make. If you combine his last four games, he has a grand total of 12 targets as a wide receiver in week one. He had 12 <laughs> targets. He also yeah. had 12 in week four and had 10, yeah. 9, and 11 a couple of the weeks. So such an excellent point. Last one here, Tennessee backfield. What do we do with this? Is it Foreman? McNichols is back. Peterson, he's not even there anymore. What are we doing with Tennessee's backfield? I think 
I think Dante Foreman is a guy you want to own. Um, and if you look at the final box score last week, it looks like it was a three-man committee, but most, I think it was like seven of McNichols' touches came in, in the fourth quarter when the game was pretty much decided. So I, I do think it's closer to a two-man committee with Dante Foreman as like the 1A and Dante Hilliard as the 1B. Um, Tennessee gets Pitt, San Fran, and Miami to, to close. You know, So a, a, a nice matchup. This week, you know, we just saw what Dalvin Cook did to the Steelers defense. And I think the those last two matchups are kind of neutral. So I, I think I think Foreman can, you know, be a decent like running back three for you the rest of the way. Jared, this has been great. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. Fantasy playoff time. People are rolling. Some may have a bye. Some may be early on here. Or in some leagues, if only four make the playoffs, this could really be a regular season. Give me the Jared Smola fantasy playoff bold prediction. Something you think's a little out of the box here that could really make a difference when this season is over. We look back and go, ah, Jared had it nailed. I'm just realizing that I'm I'm way too optimistic about the Dolphins on this on this mailbag here <laughs> because my my bold prediction is that Jalen Waddle is going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver the yes. rest of the way. Um, and it, you know it's it's actually not bold because he's PPR wide receiver four over his last five games. He has averaged 9.2 targets, 7.6 catches, 87 receiving yards over those past five games. Uh, again, this is a pass heavy Dolphins offense. They're seventh in situation neutral pass rate over their past five games. And their final three games, we talked about the Jets, the Saints, who have you know really struggled against wide receivers all season. They got Marshawn Lattimore on the outside, but Waddle's been getting a bunch of snaps in the slot. So that's going to be a good matchup for Waddle. And then week 17, he gets the Titans, who are another plus matchup for wide receivers. I think Waddle could be really big down the stretch. Listen, you you can talk about the Dolphins. There's nothing wrong with that. You also gave me the name of the podcast, so I don't have to worry about that. We can go with Dolphins Optimism. But this is a team that has won five games in a row after starting the year one and seven. You don't want to mess with momentum. They have the Jets this week, which is a bonanza. Like you said, in the slot with Lattimore, absolutely for him. And then at the Titans is certainly not a problem when you're talking about your fantasy championship matchups. There's nothing wrong with that. Folks, Jared Smola from Draft Sharks, wonderful fantasy football analyst, can give you so much insight, seasonal DFS, whatever you need here. Follow him on Twitter at SmolaDS. Jared, you are the man. We will definitely have you back on. Thanks so much for joining us here in the most important part of the season. Yeah, that's fun. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good luck, everyone, the rest of the way. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.